Welcome to episode 51 of Neil Before Odd. I'm Audrey Kearns, your host, and thanks for joining me wherever and whenever you are. This is my third annual Neil Before Odd San Diego Comic-Con edition. I was down at SDCC 2017, and I was able to do a number of short interviews with two novelists, five actors, a psychologist, and a jeweler. I asked them all one question. What is your nerd origin story? Now, if you're a first-time listener, when I say nerd origin story, I'm asking what event or events or influences made you fall in love with what you're most geeky about. Since these interviews took place at Comic-Con, a good portion of them are geeky, but you will be surprised and I believe delighted with the answers that don't orbit the genre world. Now, this year's Comic-Con was a great one for GeekGirlAuthority.com. As the founder and editor of the site, I was asked to be on two panels this year. One was called I'm in the Nerd Business from NerdStrong Jim's David Nett, and the other one was Raising Heroic Girls, put on by Heroic Girls founder John Marcotte. They were super fun and super wonderful, and I'm really proud to have been a part of them. Now, Geek Girl Authority, my site, had over 50 posts in coverage. A couple of my favorites that I think you should definitely check out are my annual Overheard at San Diego Comic-Con quotes, which is a compilation of my favorite overheard quotes that only a nerd can understand, love, and belly laugh at. Hard. Also, my husband Brian kept a Comic-Con journal, which is pretty hilarious, and you can find those at geekgirlauthority.com. Just put in SDCC 2017 in the search bar to see all of our coverage, or you can put in Comic-Con journal or overheard at Comic-Con to see the particular ones that I was just speaking about. So, who will you be listening to now? Well, first up, Elena Huffman. Elena Huffman is an actress from Smallville, Stargate SGU, and Supernatural. We were on the Heroic Girls panel together, and she sat down with me for a couple minutes. It was super adorable how many young Supernatural fans kept coming up for her picture, and I completely over-nerded out about Stargate SGU with her. She was fantastic. Next, I speak with Tal M. Klein, whose book, The Punch Escrow, was just released. Keep an eye on that book, folks. It's going to be huge. In fact, just go buy it. It's a super fun science fiction book. I highly recommend it. I actually did an entire awesome Neil Before Odd episode with Tal at Comic-Con that's already up. So you can find that on iTunes or go to geekgirlauthority.com and put Neil Before for odd in the search bar to find the episode, which is episode number 50. Third, I speak with actor Anthony Lemke. Anthony plays three on the hit sci-fi show Dark Matter, and he is always such a joy to talk to. It's one of my favorite two interview locations that uh, I had at San Diego Comic-Con. After Anthony... I speak with Dr. Janina Scarlett. She was also on the Heroic Girls panel. Dr. Scarlett is the author behind Superhero Therapy, with, uh, along with many, many, many other titles. She's a fascinating woman, and I really do hope to talk to her more on Neil Before Odd in the future. Next is my second favorite location of my SDCC interviews. It's Amber Nash's Hotel Room. Amber plays Pam Poovey on the hit animated series Archer and it was a joy to talk with her about Pam and well her hotel room you'll see what I mean when you listen to it after Amber I speak with actor Shannon McClung who is a longtime friend he's been on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The Mentalist Silicon Valley and you'll see him soon on The Orville 
Then I speak with GGA contributor and actor Missy Laplace, who gave some wonderful details about Peter Capaldi's last Doctor Who panel. Eighth, I talk with Daniel Wilson. He's my second novelist that I spoke to. He wrote Robe Apocalypse, and he also has a book that was just released called The Clockwork Dynasty. And finally, I speak with Janelle Badali, who is the nicest person. We were on the I'm in the Nerd Business panel together, and she runs Badali Jewelers, and you can find them on the convention floor every year with amazing jewelry pieces from literature. They actually work with authors to create lovely jewelry. I even bought myself a necklace after our interview with a shard blade pendant from Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive series, and it's pretty darn cool if I do say so myself. So there you have it. Nine wonderful short interviews from nine very different people in the genre world. Please don't forget to check out geekgirlauthority.com for all your pop and geek culture news. If you're heading to Dragon Con come this uh, Labor Day weekend, please come check out my live storytelling show, Five Truths and a Lie. It will be on the Saturday evening around 8 p.m. I can't wait to announce the guests that we have this year. Also, head on over to iTunes or Blog Talk Radio to give Neil Before Odd a rating or a review if you are so inclined. I'd be ever so grateful for your support of this podcast. All right. For now, enjoy your walk, your workout, your commute, your cleaning as you listen to episode 51, Neil Before Odds annual San Diego Comic-Con special. Internet, heed this call. Open your minds and ears and prepare yourselves to Neil Before Odds. Hey there, and welcome back uh, to Neil Before Odds San Diego Comic-Con special. I'm sitting here with Elena Huffman uh, from Supernatural, from Smallville. But my favorite show of yours is Stargate Universe. I love that character. Um, that was a great ensemble, I yeah. thought. You know, with a lot of shows, it was such a big cast. But everybody was good. Thank you. Yeah. It was nice. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, we, we got along really well, and we're all still really close. Yeah. Um, I loved TJ. I get asked all the time, you know, who my favorite character is to play. And uh, I always sort of make a joke and say, well, it depends on the day. Um, you know, like your children. That's the that's joke. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like choosing your favorite child. It just depends mm -hmm. on the day. Um, but my, my overall sort of favorite character is TJ. She's, um, she's really well balanced. And I didn't appreciate her at the time. Right. In fact, I used to call her crybaby because <laughs> everything was like she would whine and she'd say, I can't do it. And, and what I, Elena, learned so much from her mm -hmm. was vulnerability, was what I thought was weak, was my strength. Interesting. And TJ taught me that, and I, yeah. I really um, honor her for that. Well, I think she had one of the most difficult, I mean, everybody, of course, and I'm not going to, because we don't have that much time, you know, being thrown to a different part of space and being that other woman yeah. and then getting pregnant and everything, she really was, like you said, on her own. And I think the character arc I thought was really well written for, for TJ. But um, And I loved the darker nature of that Stargate show because I've watched all the Stargates yeah. and they're fun. But that one was so dark and I loved it and I wished it stayed uh, around you. Yeah, a bit. But I anyway, fun. I ask uh, everybody okay. on this special, what is your nerd origin story? So what are you geeky about? Um, I, 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 don't, I don't consider myself a geek at all. <laughs> um, no, I like to say that I've earned my geek cred. I actually did a, uh, I did a graphic novel a few years back with MTV, and it was called Agent Mom. Um, but I, I would say, like, from the very beginning in my life, things that I uh, was, were attracted to, I love She-Ra. 
Nice. Uh, yeah, and um, and other things that I'm just really passionate about, I guess, would be like fitness and health and mm-hmm. uh, nutrition and things like that. Was that something that? Um, so that was, what was your origin story with fitness? Was it since you were a kid or? Yeah, I just yeah. think I was always active, and it's like a it's like therapy for me. You know, my, yeah. I travel all over the world, and you know, oftentimes you get off a plane and you go to work, and then you go back to the hotel, and and you have a nice dinner with friends, which involves some wine or whiskey. Yes. yes. And the next day you do it again, and then you go back home, and and I. I always managed to sneak in a run or something and my mm-hmm. friends are like what's wrong with you <laughs> and I said that's that grounds me and centers me so it's something so like that your I really, meditation yeah especially if you're running I meditate as well but it's, yeah. it's something that I really connect to like I, mm-hmm. I do think it's an escapism yeah uh, so and if there's a beach forget it you won't see me I'll run on the beach all day <laughs> that sounds nice so you've been down at comic-con for for all five days so are you did you get any time down here, I did. Yeah, to uh, to run, or yeah, to just to be a nerd. <laughs> Both, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I did it all. Yeah, um, yeah I I come to Comic Con. I have pretty much every year for the last eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends if I'm coming down with the show. We have a huge agenda, and we have you know a lot of press and a lot of a lot of things that we're assigned to do. Um, and it doesn't allow me a lot of time. Uh, and then I come down on my own. Sometimes I sign a little bit. Sometimes I just walk the floor. I always come to go to the EW party because all my friends are there. It's like a big right, reunion. Right. That was last night, right? That was last yeah, night, yeah. which is why my voice is a little more <laughs> demi, demi, uh, demi more than it normally is. But, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah I come down for the parties. I had to come down for fun. Have you, uh, do you come every single year? I have. I think maybe I've missed a year in the last nine years or eight years. Well, thanks for talking to me, um, and thanks for letting me nerd out about Stargate Universe. I never get to talk to anybody about that show, so okay. it was really nice. Uh, we just did a panel together, and I was didn't know till this morning. I was like, oh, my God, Selena Huffman's on the show. So thank you very much. Very cool. Thank uh, you. All right. Take care. Thanks. You too. Welcome to Neil Before Odd. I'm your host, Audrey Kearns, and this is the show where I interview geek patriots. I am at San Diego Comic-Con right now, and I'm at Carnival at the Geek and Sundry Carnival, and I'm sitting with novelist Tal M. Klein, whose book, The Punch Escrow, is set to release on July 25th of next week. Hi, Tal. Hi. How you doing? I've come to Neil Before Odd. Exactly. I like that you picked up on it really quick. Sometimes I have to coax my guests to get down on their knees. Come on. It's the only Superman. Superman. It's the only time where the the sequel has outdone the first. Exactly. It's one of the best scenes ever. Come on. What is it? Um, Oh, is it the Phantom Universe? The Phantom Zone. The Phantom Zone. Thank you. Um, Since I was so young when I saw that movie, when they first sent those three into the Phantom Zone, I had nightmares for a very long time. It freaked me. Yeah. I actually love the idea of the Phantom Zone because that, there's a lot of appealing things about it. You don't get old. Yes, that's true. You know, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. They, I, but what about quality of life? <laughs> Is that important to you or not? Well, I mean, it, it really depends. Do you see the Lego movie where yes, everybody gets great. in? It's, the Phantom Zone seemed like a lot of fun. It did. It wasn't like all the like, bad guys in one place. It was very different from what you saw in Superman yeah. too. You know, <laughs> my favorite line. Are you a Doctor Who fan? Yes. My favorite line in that movie is when them, uh, all the villains come down from the Phantom Zone and they're explaining who they are. This is so and so, so and so, and these are the Daleks, and like the nerds will know. Yeah. <laughs> that made me. That was my biggest laugh. There was uh, the a recently a, uh, an image going around on uh, Twitter of a uh, one of those new. Uh, Mall cops, like the digital mall cops, it yeah. looks like looks like a Dalek, and it fell into the mall fountain. I saw okay, I saw the picture <laughs> when I was scrolling through, but I didn't read. Yes, and I was like, that's the <laughs> that's hilarious. Exterminate, I didn't know exterminate, splash, splash. Um, so I start off all my podcasts, bring up before odd with one question. 
Uh, what is your nerd origin story? What are you geeky about? Um, yeah, you asked me. What's What's weird is you actually prepped me for it, but I'm still like I've got so many competing things that. Well, I've gotten I, so many dirty looks when I don't prep people. So. I know, no, no, yeah. Well, it's like a desert island question. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm also a musician. Like so, a lot of times when I do interviews for music, like like what's your desert island disc? And like I, I swear I answer a different question every of time course. because that's how it is. So I'll give you any the, given moment. It'll be a different okay, answer. Okay, as long as that's understood. Yes. So, so to yes. me, that's my. Yes. What is that? Uh, for me, it would actually be uh, the first time I played uh, Dungeons and Dragons. How old were you? Uh, I was 12, I want to say. Cool. So a little older because I came from Israel. So I uh -huh. grew up in Israel. I didn't really know about it. One of, my, the, one of the friends I made here in the States kind of got me into it. And, and, uh, and I'd say that, you know, it was just this phenomenal awakening that, that I could directly participate in fantasy. Yeah. And I was like, huh, I don't have to dream it. I could, like, kind of be in it and, yeah. and, and create my own plot points and stuff like that. And, and uh You'll appreciate this. So, like, my, my character is a dwarf called Ironforge Bladeshaper. Uh -huh. And the way I kind of created his own personalities is he wields a sword, but he calls it axe because he doesn't want I to be... Because all dwarves are supposed to wield axes. Exactly. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, uh, did that open... Did you start doing a lot more board games or did you stick to Dungeons & Dragons a lot or did that lead to reading fantasy, say? Or yeah, exactly. So, so once you start... Yeah, for me anyway, once I started getting into Dungeons & Dragons, I really started to get into the, the Forgotten Realms books and, uh -huh. and it's, a, you know, it's a very, very... It's, it's a very expensive uh, uh, hobby to get into. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially the books part. But, uh, you know, it was really cool. We, we always got... We got you know, we had uh, Dungeon Magazine and Dragon and, like, uh, really got into... Uh, reading anything that Ed Green, Ed, anything that Ed Green would wrote, uh -huh. I was really, really into, uh, and that got me into a lot of other things as well. Yeah, so you that know? was so, your gateway. That was your. That was I'm my like, gateway. That's a good uh, origin story. Hi, and welcome to Neil Before Odds San Diego Comic Con special. I am sitting with Dark Matters Anthony Limke Hi, on Audrey. a balcony at Comic Con. Yep. And we're what we're 20 floors up in the Marriott, looking at. It's so pretty right now. It is. We're looking at uh, part of the Western fleet. We are. Of the American Navy. We are. We are protected. <laughs> yeah, they're protecting right. common. Or we're <laughs> the first target. One of the, one of the two. So nerds are either the target or the ones they're going <laughs> to yeah. protect. I'm not, right. I'm not sure. Yeah. How's your uh, Comic-Con going so far? It's been a lot of fun. I mean, it's our third year. Uh, we come every year with, uh, with Dark Matter. And um, every year the fan reception's been, been bigger. Obviously, the first year we were a show that no one really knew about and we were kind of wondering what to what to expect and in the end you know it was a really great uh really great turnout of folks from you know who knew uh the sci-fi pedigree of the various different players involved right. in dark matter and um but now it's it's uh yeah it's our it's our show you know it's 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 fans who have been with been with us since the beginning or new fans who who are joining us on this journey yeah through outer space on the raza <laughs> I'm a fan myself, I have to admit. Right. Um, so I'm going to ask you the question I'm asking everyone here at Comic-Con. Anthony Lemke, what is your nerd origin story? <laughs> what are you geeky about? You know, I, it's a question that's kind of hard for me to answer uh, right off like that. Because my, my, my gut reaction is to say nothing. Um, <laughs> because... I've well, always, what's your origin story for nothing? No, well, see, that's the thing. I've always admired people who get really passionate about one thing. And um, I've never been that person. I've never right. really been super passionate about one thing. 
to dive into it and have like a massive collection of X or watch only and know everything about genre Y. Uh-huh. I'm, uh, I remember seeing this on TEDx where I've always wandered through life sort of wondering what it, why it was that I didn't have any of these passions. Right, right. I'm very interested in a whole ton of things. And so I've lived a life that has brought me to a number of different cities. I've gone and, you know, went, did my law degree as a, you know, mature student in my 30s. And just because it was something that was interesting to me, but I'm not passionate about right. law, but I was, I was really intrigued and interested. So I did it and, you know, while I was acting and, and I wanted to learn French a lot better. So we moved to Montreal and, you know, all these things. But I wouldn't say that I'm passionate about the French culture or right. passionate about right. the French language and know everything about it. But my wife would say the following. <laughs> I like this. Uh, she would say that the one thing that I can't seem to stop thinking about and stop doing is uh, the, the development work that we're doing in this little town where I live outside of Toronto, where we moved about four years ago. We've been going there for about 10 years. And when I moved there, um, there was just something really intriguing about living in a little town who had just lost its factory, burned down. Oh, wow. So the, the economic raison d'etre of that town, it was a one-factory town, disappeared. But it's a gorgeous little town right on, right on the lakeside, a couple hours outside of Toronto. And there was a boutique hotel from uh, Toronto being built at that time. And so it occurred to me that it would be a really wonderful time to be involved in what can really only be described as village transitioning or village building and building spaces for people to exist in. And so the thing that actually excites me the most, and I'm an actor, <laughs> like I, you know, I have a really wonderful and great career and life and I get to go to these amazing things like conventions and have all these really cool experiences, but there's nothing that makes me sort of happier inside or warmer inside than when you see a space that was derelict or dead within an urban fabric, in this case, a village fabric. And, and you renovate that space and you invite entrepreneurs to, to, to thrust their dreams into that space and to, in this case, it was a little ice cream shop and a little artisan ice cream shop that I searched sort of high and low to find and he right. opened up and they have a little bike rental and there's a little, there was a little dress shop and we have a little architect upstairs and all of a sudden, this space that was dead is now full of economic activity first off but also people creating the stories of their lives I love that I yeah. mean you should obviously have a lot of pride in that and I a, have an immense amount of pride, pride in, that. Yeah. In, in, in where you live and, and um, definitely making a difference in that town's life and those people's lives I mean you're bringing a different kind of you said it was one factory town but it sounds like you're making it possible for maybe some tourism on this beautiful lakeside and a better quality of life for, yeah, for a I lot mean, of people. It's, it's not me who's making it possible in that town. I don't want to overstate my well, you're a the part impact, of it. but yeah. we're a part of that, yeah. And uh, it's it, me and, and my partners, and the, and the partnership is growing. There's sort of five of us now, uh, as well as as well as a whole bunch of other people who are involved. So it's been a lot of fun, yeah. and that is the thing that that actually makes me happiest, and I can spend forever on that yeah. and it doesn't feel like work and I it just feels like fun. I think that's a fantastic answer to my question. I love it. I love it. And it also says 
Anthony, a lot about you. <laughs> I don't know no. what it says. My wife would know. say it says, just stop. <laughs> just, just stop trying to... Trying just to transition come home, this town. Spend come home. That's right. Time with the family. It kind of yeah. sounds like you got a hankering for something, and you yeah. do it. Like what you said about law. That's it. And, and, and so you went and did it. You wanted to learn French. Yeah. You went and did it, and now you want to. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's always been a thing. This, yeah. You know, but what's interesting about that little town thing is I remember I'm doing it with my brother, by the way. So I phoned my brother, and I said, "Hey, Chris, let's do this really cool thing together." sort of 10, 15 year project in this little town and we'll leave this little town hopefully a whole hell of a lot better than we found it. Yeah. We'll be able to like, you know, in our rocking chairs on the porch when we're older, look back and say, we did that. I and it's there and lovely. it's a really existing thing. And when we were little kids, what we used to spend every single morning before school doing was building little Lego villages. And here you are together. building villages. Yeah. That's cool. But I really think that uh, you're hoping to sit in the rocking chair and look at a statue of yourself that the town has erected. <laughs> what? Are you saying I have an ego? Audrey. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I know thank you've you. got a busy day ahead of you. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, um, for, thanks for coming Season up. three is going great. I love it. Love the show. Thanks. And uh, take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, I'm sitting here with Janina Scarlett, a psychologist and author. Her book, Superhero Therapy, is out right now. It was even number one on Amazon in its category for a while. We just did a panel together, and it was fun. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank Ex you so much for having me. Oh, no, thanks so much for doing this. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that I'm asking everybody at this con, and that is, what is your nerd origin story? Oh, my goodness. Thank you for asking that. <laughs> um, so I was actually born in Ukraine. Okay. And at the age of three, my family and I were exposed to radiation from Chernobyl. Oh, wow. So as a result, my health was severely affected. I was in a hospital for many months. Um, uh, doctors weren't sure how long I was going to live. And you were three, you said? I was three. Wow. And then at the age of 12, my family and I were able to immigrate to the United States as refugees. Mm -hmm. um, and I was severely bullied in eighth grade for being different. Kids would ask me if I glow in the dark, if I'm radioactive, oh, if I'm so contagious. Oh, so everybody knew that you were a refugee from yes. this, this disaster. From a radioactive yeah. country, yeah. yes. Um, and the first few years, I didn't have any friends. I was severely bullied. And honestly, most of the time, I just wanted to die. Oh, my goodness. And when I was 15, I saw the first X-Men movie. And it made a world of difference because I saw myself. Right. Most of the characters were, have been exposed to some kind of radiation. Right. Most of them are mutants like right. me. And instead of letting it hold them back, they used it to become superheroes. Right. And for the first time in my life, I rethought my origin as a survivor story. And I thought, you know, maybe I can use what happened to me to help others. Right. So I decided to go into psychology. I pursued my first PhD in, in neuroscience and then in clinical psychology. And I started working with active duty service members to help them overcome PTSD. And it all started with X-Men for me. Oh, I think that's such a great story. Thank you for sharing something so 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 personal. And you know what? Thinking about it, I, 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 that doesn't surprise me. I think X Men, you know, it obviously took you down a certain journey. But I think um, a lot of people have an affinity for certain characters in the X Men that yes. they can relate to. That's the wonderful thing about that show. Yes. You know. Yep. That's fantastic. Um, where can uh, we find your book? Is it 
bookstores everywhere online? Um, it will be available in bookstores everywhere starting August 1st. Mm -hmm. uh, it is available for pre-order on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, all the major websites. Um, and it will be available on Kindle eventually as well. Too. Awesome, I can't wait to check it out. Thank you Thanks, so much. Thanks, Janina. Thanks for having me. Hey there, it's Audrey Kearns, and this is my special SDCC Neil Before Odd episode, and I'm sitting here with Amber Nash, who has played Pam Poovey for almost 100 episodes of the Emmy-winning animated series Archer. How are you, Amber? Great! Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Come over to your hotel room. <laughs> I know, You're yeah. very kind and brave to let me in here. <laughs> You're kind and brave to be in here. It's like, you know you know how hotel rooms are. They're just yeah. like full of junk and Yeah, you know, there's actually, there's literally someone sleeping on the other bed. And there it's is. Like, I don't know who yeah. that is. You know, so <laughs> it's just a random person that I found at Comic-Con. You are doing Comic-Con right. Is <laughs> what you're doing. That's right. But um, two things. Congratulations on winning an Emmy last year. Oh, my God. We're so excited. And getting nominated again. Yes. I know. I hope we win again this year. That is so amazing. And we have amazing. A, a good rivalry going with Bob's Burgers. And when our executive producer accepted the award last year, he said, suck at Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I uh, didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, in, the, in his speech. And so hopefully we'll win again this year. So well, you we know that means it. they're going to ramp up their yeah. FYC campaign. Totally. Or for your, or your Yeah, for your consideration, whatever it is. And secondly, uh, uh, you're almost at 100 episodes. That's fantastic. Crazy. I can't believe it. I, yeah. keep, I keep saying that when we do 100 episodes, the 100th episode, because we all record separately, because yeah. we're all in different cities, that they should get us all together and we should all record together for that episode, <gasps> which would be so much fun. You should do that and they should film that that should yeah. be like a special, like a special. absolutely yeah. gosh your fans would love that i know i, I would love to do you it you should so go pitch fun. it and demand a percentage <laughs> yeah a fee for that all right so i in this special and actually before all my neil before odd interviews i asked this question mm -hmm. what is your nerd origin story okay so what is your nerd origin story Amber, what are you geeky about? And, and a, a young man a just young came man out of the bathroom. Just came out of your bathroom. You are living the life at Comic-Con. This is fantastic. This is a glimpse into Amber Nash's world. Oh, okay, so my nerd origin story. You gave me an idea that this uh, was going to happen. So I started right. thinking about it. I was like, what is my nerd origin story? And what do I geek out, out about? And I always feel honestly like a little bit of like an imposter when I go to cons because I'm not like super into like geek culture right, and I'm right. like I'm not really like I don't know what everything is like I'll see cosplayers and I'll be like I don't know what those people are and then I was thinking about it and I was like I am nerdy about stuff but it's just not like pop culture sci-fi right. nerd right um, and what I'm nerdy about is honestly I was trying to put it all into one category because I don't think there's a name for this but it's like what can go wrong with human beings whether it's physical or mental right you know uh like i love murder i like stories uh -huh. murder shows um stories about people going absolutely insane uh -huh. uh, mental illness i like it when people's bodies do weird things uh -huh. like insane like um one of my favorite shows is uh monsters inside me which is just about parasites that humans can get like oh my god i've seen like clips from shows like yeah. that where they end up like taking out the parasite and it's almost too much to watch yeah it's insane so it's yeah. like whatever can go horribly wrong with the human uh, body or mind is, is really what I nerd uh -huh. out about. So I guess my origin story is, is that when I was um, in college, I went to college and I decided that I was going to get a degree in biology. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess maybe it's because I w wanted to know what was wrong with the human body <laughs> lots of times when gross things happen. And then I went to school and I was like, oh, this is really hard. 
like right. horribly hard. Right. And you have to be really good at chemistry because you have to have chemistry classes to do biology. Yeah. And that's even harder. Right. And I was just, I was like, I'm just too stupid to do this. I'm just not smart enough <laughs> You're to, hard to on get a yourself. degree. Yeah. <laughs> so then I was like, you know, what do we do like a softer science? Like maybe some like psychology. Psychology yeah. is a little bit easier. Like it's better. I can I can get it. And so I changed my major to psychology and then I got a degree in psychology uh-huh. and just was fascinated. Like there's so many insanely awesome names for classes you can take when you're getting a psychology degree. Um, like just like history of uh, paranormal ideas, um, like abnormal sex behaviors, yeah, like yeah. just great great things you can take classes about and so i think that's where it all started that's where this obsession came in yeah that's fascinating yeah. i think one of the weird this is what popped into my head just now one of the weirdest things i've seen when you're talking about abnormal behaviors mm-hmm. and like on a special and you probably would have found this fascinating I, I was just like oh my god was people that want to be amputated yes did you see that one yes and it's this insane. woman yeah and this woman and he her husband's begging her they were following her doing an interview and then uh, the documentary and later they came back on the documentary says well while the cameras were away we've been gone for a while she went out and bought some liquid nitrogen yes drove to the emergency room parked in front poured it on her legs right yeah. it's like what is wrong and then yeah. on the other side of that is like there's people that want to be amputated and there's people that buy body parts online like people that collect like fingers or ears or yeah. whatever weird thing that people get rid of on their body like people are crazy that's so fascinating. So yeah. do you, so you watch a lot of that stuff. Do yeah. you, does it ever like keep you up at night? Not from what you've seen, but like, like imagining what if somebody did this? Right. Or what if somebody did that? Do you, does that worry you? It oh doesn't my- worry me. Okay. Well, I get, good. I get more excited about it than okay. anything. And like one of the, this was a show that I think was a special on the discovery channel or something years ago. And it gave me an idea for a stage show that I eventually want to write, but it was about a man. This show was called, 101 things stuck in the human body. (laughs) And I was like, well, that's made for me. I want to watch that. (laughs) The number one thing was a man in uh, India who'd all, he was like maybe in his 50s or 60s, and he always had like a a protuberant. stomach uh-huh. and you know he was in a third world country he never had medical did you see this oh I my think, god i think I, oh my god i think so he never had yeah. medical attention and then finally a doctor like in europe heard his story and went and checked him out and what was inside of him was his twin that he had like taken yeah. in absorbed in the womb but the best part about it was when they cut the twin out it had lived for a while because it had developed past infant stage so it had been alive inside of him for a while That's- Wild. And or kept growing, yeah. and when they removed it, they also removed thirty pounds of hair. <gasps> thirty. I did not hear that part. Hair was still growing off of this because you know, like your hair still grows when you die. So there was thirty pounds of hair inside of his body. Well, that's fascinating because I mean that his body adapted to that. Yeah. I, I mean that he he wasn't in that. I'm sure he was uncomfortable, but yeah. that much discomfort. I remember reading. They're interviewing him. He yeah. said, "Yes, everybody in the village calls me the pregnant man." Yeah. And he said, I'm glad this is out of me because now maybe a woman will marry me. Oh, my God. And it's like, oh, my God. That was so sad. Right. But yeah. Oh, my gosh. I saw that. I saw that. Isn't too. that crazy? Yeah. And though I thought it'd be a really great, like, a, a story of this man and, like, him and his, like, little twin, like, once 
in the in the show that yeah. we would make the musical, of course, that we'd make It'd about have to this. Be a musical. Yeah, yes. the the guy would jump out and like be his like singing sidekick, and they'd go <laughs> on adventures together. I love it. And then he jumps back in. Yeah, anytime. I love it. I yeah. love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so we on geekgirlauthority.com, yep. my website. Um, we do Archer recaps. Okay. And Kimberly Pierce, my contributor, is mm-hmm. a big Archer fan, and she loves you by the way great she thinks you're amazing um she said let me find the question she said she loved you know because dreamland was a totally different yes thing for you guys last season yeah and she thought your 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 take on pam was wonderful and very interesting and she said this probably isn't a short answer but she wanted me to ask it anyway okay. um she was curious about your process to do that different take yeah on pam. well when so when we got noticed that it was going to be a different type of season they um usually adam will call us adam reed is the creator and the sole writer of all episodes of archer which people find insane because wow. it is insane that he writes them almost a hundred yes we exactly talked about before. exactly yeah. and most most comedies have like whole writers rooms yeah so he's doing yeah. it all by himself wow. that was amazing. um yeah so he gives us a call usually if there's something big that he needs to tell us about and so before we started making season eight he called us and he's like, okay here's what we're going to do the network approved it and then he told me, he's like, your character is going to be gender neutral. We're going to call the character Poovy. Um, they are sidekicks with Cyril and a cop and kind of an enforcer. And so he told me that the character was li- loosely based on uh, Russell Crowe's character from L.A. Confidential. I love it. I know. Isn't that great? That and like, fantastic. as an actor, like, what a cool bit of information to get. Yeah. Like, so yeah. fun. So the first thing I did was I went and watched that. And then I watched a bunch of other like film noir movies just to kind of get into the into the zone. But when I went in the first day to record, I was like, guys, do you want me to sound any different or, you know, because I'd kind of been thinking about all this stuff and it's in the back of my mind. And they're like, no, no, you sound exactly the same. And I was like, OK. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And so it just ended up being the same character. And we talked a lot about this, too, in the panel recently, um, is that they went around and around about what Poovy was going to look like because Poovy looks like Pam. But also is dressed like a man, but has lipstick on. And so we were like, what What was the deal? And I asked what the deal was. And they were like, they tried Poovy without lipstick. And they were just like, it just, doesn't look right. Just yeah. doesn't look right. And so they put yeah. lipstick on Poovy and then so, it was done. So, so they, um, like when you're like, say, creating uh, Poovy for, for, for Dreamland, mm-hmm. um, you're looking at what the artists are doing and that kind of influences what you're going to do. No, actually in the so beginning, yeah, in the beginning we do all of our, um, recording first. Right. And so I don't think they even had any mock-ups yet of what the characters were going to look like. We yeah. knew that they were going to look like us, but just different. And so uh-huh. I didn't see what Poovy looked like until the first episode aired. So wow. we'd already recorded, I think most of at least half the season. Yeah, and so we never see any of that stuff because that's the hard work. We do the easy work, and it, we yeah. can get it, you know, done in a day. Um, and so if if you stop by, like they make the show in Atlanta where I live, and so mm-hmm. you can stop, like I'll stop by to like pick up a poster or sign a thing or do whatever, uh, or if I'm just in the neighborhood. And so sometimes you'll get a glimpse of what they're working on, but most of the time you just don't see it. That's fascinating. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, Maybe next time in Atlanta we can explore this on a longer one hour. Yeah, and we could take you down to the studios because it, it's pretty amazing. We to should see do what that when I do. come in for Dragon Con. Yeah, 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 yeah I'd yeah, be yeah. happy to. It's really. I'm going to invite myself right now yeah. for Labor Day weekend. Great, great, great. <laughs> we'll give you a whole tour. It's so cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for sitting down with yeah. me, Amber. This was great. Yay! All right, enjoy the rest of your con. Thank you. Hey there, and welcome back to a very special Neil Before Odd at San Diego Comic Con. I'm sitting here. With a good friend of mine, a 
want to say how far back we go, but I will age ourselves. <laughs> but I'm here with actor Shannon McClung, and Shannon's been on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Mentalist, Silicon Valley, uh, Friends from College, right? Yeah, you're on yeah that's on Netflix right That's now. on Netflix right now. And this fall, you're going to see him on The Orville, which is very excited. Congratulations on all that good stuff happening for Thank you. Thank you, Audrey. That's really, really excited. So we're at the con. We couldn't find a place to sit down. We are sitting on the ground of some fancy patio, <laughs> doing an interview. I'm sure you can hear everybody having a good time out there. How's your con going? It's going very well. It's very crowded, yeah. as you know. I, yeah, um, we, we expected that. It's very crowded, uh, but as long as everyone is patient and remembers, yes. we're all here for the same thing. Yes, we're all yes. here to have I, a good time. I haven't seen anybody being dicks. You no. know, there's usually always one, but everybody's usually, for the most part, really patient, and we're all in this together <laughs> and everything. So, Shannon, for my Neil Before Odds, I ask every single person what their nerd origin story is. So what is your nerd origin story? What are you geeky about? Well, being a child of the 80s, you know, yes. I grew up with Star Wars, He-Man, mm -hmm. G.I. Joe, sort of right. the prime time to be born as, as a geek. Yeah. But I didn't full-on geek out until after the 1989 Batman. Really? Saw the movie, yeah. really, really liked it, and then my sister brought home a comic book, a, a Batman comic book, A Lonely Place of Dying, number one, which is where they introduced Tim Drake. And I was like, oh, this is amazing, got the rest of them, and then I looked up in the yellow pages, comic book store, like I'd never been to a comic book store, and I got my mom. You just ruined what I said about aging us. You just said yellow pages. Oh, no. <laughs> I kid. You looked up in the yellow the pages. The yellow keyboard for the internet on the... <laughs> But I got my mom to take me to Enterprise 1701, 1701 in, in Orlando. Orlando. Yes, I've been there. <laughs> and I found my first Aquaman comic oh, book. Oh, that's great. Now, at the time, Aquaman didn't have a consistent book, but he had this first issue of this miniseries. And it was a five-issue miniseries. And from there, I went back and started finding all of these Aquaman books. And oh. for whatever reason, people did not like Aquaman for a long time. They liked to make fun of him. So that was your thing. That was... That was the superhero that drew you in was Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's I, great. I think we, we tend to idolize people who can do things that we can't, mm -hmm. and I have never been a good swimmer. Right, well, he is the best. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember walking into Enterprise 1701 and just being surrounded by all of this stuff that mm -hmm. I have just, oh, I can't believe this. And getting that Aquaman comic book, that was that was the start oh, of that my was your geeky gateway. genesis. Yeah. That was your gateway. So um, do you have any feelings about Jason Momoa? I think it's fantastic. Yeah? I think you it like is, the look? I do. Yeah. I do. I do. I mean, a lot of people, I think when it came out, it was probably like two years ago, they released yes. that still, yes. which to me is kind of crazy. So we've known for a while. I think maybe they wanted us to get used to, look, it's not going to be the orange top or like what you've seen yeah. on Super Friends on TV or something like that. I mean, he went through a phase in the comics, and this is how he looked in the Justice League animated series right. as well. It's like he had the the longer blonde hair with the beard, but this is the first time we saw him all tatted up. Yeah. I was like, that's freaking awesome. I think awesome. it looks great. I so think it looks cool. Warner Brothers ended a couple hours ago, so you saw, and, and so you've seen the Justice League poster and all that. Yes, I love the poster. I thought the poster was super cool, too. I thought uh, Batman was in the middle, how he should be. Yes. You know, but... Did you see the turnaround, the other poster? No, I did not. Oh, my gosh, Audrey. Okay, I'll Can have I tell to, you? Yes, tell so me now. it has, like, you can't save the world by yourself with everyone's logos, and so you have the five members, yes. and then the other poster is someone that looks like Clark Kent holding up a camera saying you, something like you can't take a group shot or something like that without a cameraman. I love it because um, we were looking at the poster. Um, we rented it in Airbnb with this, this couple that we're staying with. And we're like, oh, when are they going to reveal Superman? And we didn't, we, only, we didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, that's it great. It was really neat. Very, very clever. Um, 
like the Suicide Squad marketing last year, like depending on, you know, people had a lot of different feelings about yes. the movie. No one can argue that the marketing. Marketing was on point. Got everybody sure. excited. Yeah, that's true. So would you say you have a bigger place in your heart for, for the comic genre than say Star Wars or science fiction or is it all kind of equal for you? It's all kind of equal for me. I mean, again, Star Wars was the first thing that I, I mean, I had all of those toys. Those to mm -hmm. toys are still in my parents' attic. <laughs> <laughs> in, in Orlando, but you know, I, I love Star Wars. I love Indiana Jones, right? And I love DC. Like I, I became a Marvel fan through the films. Like I read some of the books, but I didn't really connect to so their characters with with the books. Mm -hmm. um, but that means watching you have the a film, dark side. Does it really? That's what I think. Because I don't connect to Marvel, or I didn't <laughs> connect to Marvel. No, no. I've always, um, I've always, and this is just me of noticing this about my friends. Um, people who like DC, I love DC by the way, I'm not knocking DC, also for some reason always like the dark side in Star Wars for some reason. <laughs> like they're Kylo Ren and the, you know, the 501st Legion or something like that. You know, I went to Star Wars Celebration this year. Uh -huh. I took my nephew who's 15 years old and he's never been, never been to a con. So as I was flying back, I was sitting next to two people who were on the 501st, who are on the 501st yeah. and I was wearing this shirt, which yeah. is a stormtrooper storm on a drum kit. Nice. And, uh, they were already sitting. I was sitting in the window seat. I was yeah. like, oh, sorry, guys. I won't do this again. And they looked at me like, it's okay. You're not part of the rebellion. I'm like, huh? <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the nerd double speak that you can get around these places. It's, it's, it, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, well, you know, with your love for, like, comic books and everything, I mean, you've done a lot of TV. You have a really decent uh, TV you. resume. Were you more nervous auditioning for, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something just because it was a genre show? Or did you go, this is work? I'm going to go into this as well. I mean, I think you, you look at everything as work. Yeah. Because there's certainly certain shows, like Modern Family, I auditioned for probably seven times before I got. Yeah. And, and it's a show that my wife and I like to watch. So yeah. I mean, there was some added pressure. Like, yes. I really want this. Yes. Because she's not going to watch it for me. She's going to watch it because she likes the show. Right. Uh, <laughs> but going in, like, I actually read for Agent Carter first. And oh. it was a role that was a, a bigger role. And I, it was like one of those auditions where you just hear the crack of the bat. I was like, oh. I got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the next day they called, and I was like, all right, here comes the booking. And they're like, hey, can you come in for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I'm like, Aww, yeah. I mean, I was man. still very, very happy. I mean, it was, yeah, a, it was a yeah. fun role. It was a smaller role, but it was also... Well, it was, uh, you know, maybe the, it was good that they probably really liked you. So is it the same casting director? Yeah. So they're like, we have to get them back in. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, we yeah. have to get them back in. Um, how was it working on the set of the Orville? Uh, it was great. Yeah. It was great. I mean, it's it's uh, it's very very funny. Yeah. It's very very funny. I and like the trailer. There was a, there was makeup involved. So and that was my <laughs> first time in a long time being in that kind of makeup. Oh really? Uh, yeah. It was, a, it was a long time. Can I? Is it like NDA? You can't say what you're playing. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you better not. I get it. I get it. What's your um? So is Justice League stuff coming out? Of Warner Brothers, your favorite thing about this con this year, or what else? Yeah, I mean, I have I've only seen the trailer. I haven't been to my hotel room yet to watch the trailer. I've yes. seen it on my phone, and as you know, the internet in San Diego right now is a little testy. Yes. So I'm getting a lot of buffering signs. Yes. So I, I kind of gave up. I'm gonna go up after we finish. I'm gonna go up to my hotel room and watch the yeah, trailer. Yeah, well, check out like all the Warner Brothers stuff because uh, they released the trailer for Ready Player One today, which mm -hmm. is. Amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing book and it's amazing. Well, Shannon, thanks for sharing your nerd origin story. Thank you, Audrey Kearns. Thanks for joining me on the floor. I can now actually, that we've been sitting here for 10 minutes, start to smell all the cigarette butts around us, which is, <laughs> which is awesome. It's not good for nerds with asthma. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your time in San Diego. Thank you, Audrey. All right, bye. 
Okay, I am sitting here with Missy Laplace. How are you doing, Missy? Good. Now, Missy Great. is a contributor for Geek Girl Authority. Yeah. And she's also a super nerd. Yeah. And she just got out of the Doctor Who panel, and yes. I am so jealous. <laughs> what was the coolest thing in the Doctor Who panel? Oh, it was uh, the standing ovation for Peter Capaldi. Is it when he walked out? Did it, it wasn't. Happen? It when, was when, it when, I think, when everyone realized, uh, this is it. This is and it. And then... It was, it was actually Michelle Gomez who kind of looked around and was like, it's okay, you can all get up, because everyone was sort of yeah. awkwardly like, ah, we love you. Aww. And so then as a fandom, we just all stood and... Cool. How was the uh, Supernatural panel? Amazing. Yeah? It was epic. It was so really? unexpected. They pulled back these curtains, and all of a sudden we're in the middle of an IMAX, and it's like, you know, graphics everywhere, and then they say, you know, on the screen, it's Kansas, and everybody's like, yeah, of course, duh, we know. And then on stage was Kansas, Carry performing on live. My Carry on my wayward son. You guys, did people's heads explode? Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. And so apparently amazing. the boys, you know, Jared Jensen and Misha all snuck to the back of the hall uh -huh. in the corner and watched. And no oh, one knew. Because everybody was Because okay. everybody's like, oh. <laughs> oh and God. yet we're just, you know, a couple feet away from them and had no idea. I wonder if they've been trying to do that for years or if somebody, like, but whoever thought of it needs, like, a promotion. Seriously. Or something. Because that's a nice bit of marketing. Because it's huge. It's, and for that band, I'd love to ask that band, did you ever think that that song would be attached to <laughs> right? a sci-fi show? Longest-running sci-fi show in American television. Yeah. yeah, you have brought younger people to. I wonder if they've started to make more money, like on iTunes, just from that single. I wonder if kids. I imagine they have to. Yeah, that is fascinating. Did you see any other panels with us? Did you do? Uh, we went to a few of them, but mostly just about you know being nerdy and yeah. how to be nerdy in fashion and I like you that. know in life. And yeah, I did one yesterday that was my favorite one that I got to be on was um, I'm in the nerd business. Yes. So it had like. Um, five people of running businesses of varying success, like mm -hmm. starting out and then everyone to the guy who runs Loot Crate, you know, yeah. was there. And that was really informative. I love those kinds yeah. of, of, of panels as well. All right, so here's your question. Here's yes. the San Diego Comic-Con question. What is your nerd origin story? It started long ago. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was actually when I was maybe like 12 or 13, and I made myself my own superhero. And my best friend and I started writing our own uh, superhero show in the vein of, you know, bam, pow. And we made our own signs that said bam and pow That's because nice. we had no graphics because right. it was the 90s. Um, and I made myself my own superhero and I had a sidekick and we went on adventures. How old were you around this time? I had to be like... I want to say 12, but I think it was more like 13 or 14, like right before high school. Uh-huh. Uh, because when I got into high school, that's when you let it all go. And it was like, oh, yeah. no, I'm going to get into some clubs and not going to do that anymore. And then it wasn't really until I met my husband maybe 10 years later that it was sort of, you know, it, it was awoken and it, it came back. <laughs> and that's when I really got into Doctor Who. Right. And I have never looked back. What was <laughs> so your husband the gateway? to Doctor Who? He, he was, yeah. pretty much. His best friend introduced it to him, and then uh -huh. they brought it to me, and it was like, look, the show is going to sound really weird, uh -huh. and you're probably not going to understand it or like it on the first episode, but just get through it. Right. So we started with, you know, the second, the newer Who, the new Who. The new Who. And I did not need to, to get through the first episode. I was hooked. You were hooked already, and you're also right like away. a big 
board, aren't you a big board gamer too? Yes, and yeah. I always have been, but that's something, again, when yeah. I met my husband, it was like, oh yeah, I remember me. Thank you for showing <laughs> me who that is again. Um, so yeah, we do board games and um, we are super humor lock people. And yes. we are big. And didn't book you write people. that piece for Geek Girl Authority? Yes. Like, what is. Yes. The, and, and, the and people supernatural correct. Doctor Who, Murloc, and, and, yeah, I actually Merlin and Sherlock. I remember Maynard. telling somebody that somebody wrote a piece on. Super, I was, oh, it was at LA Comic Con. It was at Kamikaze. Oh, yeah. And we, I was on a panel, and they were talking about fandoms. I was like, oh my gosh, you should hear this Super Who Murloc, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And I was corrected. It's like, no, it's super. Hulak. It no. can be. And that's why I said, I was like, it can be, but there's been another one added in there called Merlin. Yes. And was, I remember the person like freaked out. I was like, I have to go watch Merlin now. Yes. And, and that's how it happens. Yeah, You're have. like, oh, I like this show. And, and wait, the, who's that guy in a trench coat? I like guys in trench coats. <laughs> and then you just get into it and I love it. down I love the rabbit it. hole you go. Yeah. When I was growing up, you know, there was like, I'm older than you. There is just like none of this. Uh, like oh, we're no. sitting at the Marriott right now. There's people walking around in cosplay. It's actually a really beautiful day. Um, there's someone in a Playboy bunny behind us, sure. but then there's somebody that's a superhero next to her. Yeah. You know, and it's it's really cool to be in a place where you can express yourself. You yeah. know, that's what I love about nerddom. All right, well, you got a drive on you. Yeah. Have you guys put any bets down on how long it's going to take to get back with Comic Con traffic? One year we made a mistake and left late, and it was uh, four and a half hours. Yeah, that's happened to me too. So we're actually going to be stopping because our other big nerd thing is Disney. Oh, okay. So we're so going to stop be in stopping Anaheim. in Anaheim and go to dinner at downtown Disney and then continue on. So That's I think, really smart. I think maybe that'll help. Just yeah. get out and yeah. then, you know. Have, well, oh. and even if it still takes you that long, breaking it up like that is going to be really nice. We'll hopefully make it better, yeah. All right, Missy, yeah. I'll see you back in L.A. And thank okay. you so much. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Hi there, and welcome to Neil Before Odd. This is Audrey Kearns. This is my San Diego Comic-Con special, and I am sitting here with author Daniel Wilson. How are you, Daniel? Great. How are you? I'm doing good. And Daniel wrote the best-selling book, Robopocalypse, and he has a new book coming out August 1st yes. called Clockwork Dynasty. Are you excited? I'm uh, very excited and frightened about yeah. August 1st, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the Clockwork Dynasty hits the shelves finally. Um, been working on it for a couple of years and just now starting to see the early reviews and I'm cautiously optimistic. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. So you had said before I hit record that this is your fourth book. Have mm -hmm. you gotten any better at waiting for a book to be released or is it still <laughs> the same anguish? <laughs> well, there's this period of time where you forget about it because you, you're done with the book. You finished the copy edits. Right. You sent them all away and you think, oh, that's in the distant future. I'm not going to worry about that. And then, like, you get the Google alert, and it's, like, the first <laughs> review. And right. you, you look at it, and then you push the button because you're human. Right. And then from there on, the roller coaster ride starts. Yeah. Clinking up the hill with each new review. Clinking up the hill. Yeah. And then finally, you know, on, on the big day. But yeah. luckily, you know, you start your... Your book tour usually at home, uh -huh. and so you get all your friends and family. So it's a friendly environment. Yeah, yeah. You, you kind of, and everyone's happy for you. Especially, yeah. I I write a book about every two years, uh -huh. so they're willing to come out, you know, uh -huh. for one night every two years. <laughs> I'm <about> only <laughs> asking you this thing yeah. once every it's two like years. I'm not doing this every month, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's so, yeah. fantastic. Um, so I'm asking everybody here at Comic Con, 
what is your nerd origin story? So Daniel, what are you geeky about? Yeah, well, so my background is I did a PhD in robotics at wow. Carnegie Mellon. So I, I've always That's been intense. That's great. pretty nerdy. Yeah. And, and the question is like, how do you decide to do that, right? And people think, oh, you must have been so, you know, you, people that do this are very driven. You know, they have these, these goals and everything. And the fact is, I was, I remember very clearly, I was very into Dungeons and Dragons, uh -huh. role-playing games, video games where you build a character. And I remember looking at all the different possible things to study and thinking of them, of, of them as skills. Like, and I thought, what? skills should my character have and, you know you know robotics would be very handy skill for this guy <laughs> i should get and i was just ticking the boxes like i could get robotics artificial intelligence oh yeah yeah add that one it. you know so then i had to go study it for 10 years wow <laughs> so when you went to study it for 10 years was the guild off the lily by then it's like oh this this shit is uh, hard <laughs> yeah it was really hard yeah but it's really cool yeah. i mean you're studying science fiction you I love Carnegie Mellon because it was one of the first uh, colleges that would just call it robotics. They mm -hmm. didn't call it electrical engineering. They didn't call it, it was in the school, you know, there's computer science and everything, but they call it robotics and you show up on campus and there's like a sign that says planetary robotics, you know, and like That's an arrow. Fantastic. And you're just like, oh, I'm here. It's the future. Mm -hmm. Like. I'm Ender, you know, I just uh, got I to it. like the <laughs> I'm <awakened. battle> school. <laughs> I love it. Um, have you ever, did you ever read the, oh my gosh, what did, I, I just finished this book and I'm ruining it already. There's a mm -hmm. reference to, there's, um, I'll remember it by the end of the podcast, uh, in this universe, they're talking about great people in history and uh, Ben Franklin, so-and-so, mm -hmm. so-and-so, the Wiggins. And the I'm Wiggins. Like, I'm like, wow, you just put the Wiggins into your universe. That's I thought you said Wiccan there <laughs> no, for a second. And the I was Wiggins. Like, it's slightly different. It's, it's kind of like magic. Yeah, it's a Wiccan no, science Wiggin, yeah. fiction. Andrew Wiggins. There's a whole genre <laughs> of Wiccan science fiction books. That's so funny. <laughs> but um, so you were saying, so it was when you were a kid, you were wanting to see assemble characters and... Yeah, so when I started making big decisions about my future, uh, I did it totally from the perspective that I was a character in a, a game. <laughs> I was picking skills. I love it. Um, 10 years, you said, at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, no, 10 years total. I was, uh, I was at Carnegie Mellon for like about six years or seven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of school. That's intense. Uh, well, I had never heard good things about the real world. Oh. And I thought maybe it would just be better to build robots, yeah. you know, and I, get a little stipend. I can't say everybody. that. <laughs> I disagree with you. I mean, come on. Um, so let's talk about uh, the book that you have coming out, Clockwork yeah. Dynasty. Um, so it revolves around a character, June Stefanoff. Did I get uh -huh. the name right? Okay. And she's a young anthropologist, and she finds out that mach machines have been hiding among us for a very long time. Yeah. Is that correct? Exactly. Can you tell us a little more about the book? Sure. So so the story is told in two parts. It's it's uh, it goes back and forth between the past and the present. And in the present, June uh, heard this story from her grandfather about something impossible that happened during World War II. Mm -hmm. Something he saw on a battlefield, but it wasn't just a story because he found a relic on this battlefield that he gave to her. And so for her whole life, she's been really obsessed with studying court automatons. So essentially ancient robots that people have been building for centuries. Uh -huh. And she eventually discovers too much and ends up uh, on a world-spanning adventure to figure out who created this race of ancient machines and, and, and why and how to save them. Because I'm kind of telling it out of order, but in the past <laughs> stories, uh -huh. it's about these, I call them avtomat. They're these, these human-like robots that have been around for centuries serving the great empires of antiquity, but they're running out of power and they don't understand 
how they were built or how to restore their own power. So they're oh, kind that's of fascinating. they're desperately pushing human civilization technologically forward in order to try to reach a pinnacle that an ancient civilization fell from thousands yeah. of years ago, maybe. So they basically have an existential threat. I mean, they could the die. The time's running out. Yeah. And, and yeah. they're kind of, they cannibalize each other for power. So oh, wow. I got a little bit of a Highlander vibe in there. Which there can be only I one. I love. I mean, yeah, it's like these immortal <laughs> machines that have beef, you know, that yeah. goes back centuries. And, and they've, um, you know, they've got all this past and all this history. And, and you see them evolving over, over the years. You see them in the present day as uh -huh. well. Um, and they're trying to survive. They look like humans. They look like people, and so, you know, they evolve over time. So as they push society forward, they upgrade their right. their bodies right. with new technology as it's discovered. Do they um, have animosity towards humans, or do they are they fine with living they side by really, side? They have a really complicated relationship with people because right. they're built in the image of people. Right. They were built by people. They know what we're capable of. But they consider our civilizations to be barbarians, essentially. Right. And so they're superior to us, but they're defined by us. And I really use the novel as a way to explore meaning and finding purpose. So each one of these avtomat is built with a single word that's in, sort of engraved on their heart. And it's their, their purpose. Yeah. And so it would be a word like logic or bravery or usually their virtues. And right. so they're trying to fulfill these words. That's what they're designed to do. But the problem is that it's a moving target because as civilization progresses and different ages of mankind come and go, those, those words mean different things. So it means something different to be brave now than it did a thousand years ago. Logic changes once you realize there's no such thing as magic and right. demons and angels aren't powering water wheels and engines and stuff. So, you know they really have this complex paradoxical relationship with humanity. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. That's really rich. They don't as really well. care too much when human beings die. Right. <laughs> right. You know, because they've seen us come and go uh -huh. for, for centuries and centuries. Right, right. They've just seen generation after generation yeah. after generation of humans. And and often what happens is they if there is some kind of really exceptional human being or something incredibly exceptional occurs Often there is an avtomat behind it, and they, this is how they kind of find each other over right, the ages. Right. They wait until some incredibly heroic act of valor on a battlefield occurs, and they track down that that person, and it's only to find, you know, maybe it's not a person, right? Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I, and I don't know if this is a spoiler question. So, um, <laughs> is um, does June find? Are, are they threatened by her? Yeah. So they don't work with people. Because At all. to to nobody because yeah, they've been hidden they make them they hide okay. and, and because if people find out what they are they'd be killed right you know, they'd be destroyed so uh, it's it's forbidden for these things to to cooperate with human beings but mm -hmm. one of them breaks all the rules in order to save his, his race right um, right and so he brings her into this and so it instantly makes puts her life at risk and so this is really for her it's a a journey of discovery. She's learning about this world that's existed in hiding in plain sight her whole life. This thing that she kind of knew right. was out there. Uh, she's finding it, but she's also being hunted, and she's she's it's you know it's an, it's a thriller. Yeah. Yes, and she meets a traveler <laughs> yes. who helps her on her adventure. Is she that does. Yeah. So she teams up with one of with one of these. Which um, which is the one you were talking about? Yeah. With, okay. His name's Peter, and so he's a. Uh, I got really interested in Peter the Great. Um, and how he kind of modernized Russia in the 1700s. And so in this imagining of history, uh, 
some of the thousands of scientists that he really brought back from, from Europe uh, are the ones who put together this artifact that they've found in uh -huh. China. And they put it together and then it's, it's, it's an avtomat. And he decides that it's going to be an eternal Tsar. He decides that once oh, wow. he dies, this thing will you know, rule Russia in its place, but things don't work out the way uh, the he way intended. They expect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds, it, it sounds like a fantastic book. I'm, I'm definitely looking I just had a lot of fun. I mean, I fell yeah. in love with some historical uh, periods in time, and I, I really just wanted to explore them and just yeah. do something well, It's unique. really nice that you can marry that interest of yours with your history in robotics. I mean, that sounds, yeah. that sounds like what you're doing. Well, I've always thought that that was something really incredible. Yeah incredibly human because we think of robots and, uh, and terminators and all this as something very modern and very new but it's not you know yeah. human beings have always had this desire to build robots that replicate our own images and our own abilities and it's an intrinsically human thing and, mm -hmm. and I think that's fascinating that it stretches all the way back into prehistory. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about it. My pleasure. And meeting with me on this really busy, man, it's so busy. <laughs> have you left your booth to walk around yet? I, yes, they have let me out a They have bit. let you out? So Did you want to come running back to your booth because it was so busy? You need a little sea, you need like a little area of calm, you like do. a reef. Well, actually, know? where we're sitting right now, it's, it's not, pretty good. It's not if too bad. Should, I could like curl up underneath one of these tables <laughs> with a little black curtain and go to sleep easily. Yeah. Where can we find you? Are you on social media? I am. I'm uh, Daniel Wilson PDX on uh -huh. Twitter and on Facebook. I'm slash official Daniel H Wilson. And, and if we go, oh, well, go ahead. My website is www.danielhwilson.com. So if we go to your website or your Facebook page, we can find out your tour dates, your book tour dates. Absolutely. Yeah. Or join my mailing list or uh -huh. just email me. Okay. I am not that highfalutin that I don't just accept <laughs> I emails. will talk to you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, so I'm on the Comic-Con floor right now with Janelle Badali. How are you? How are you? I'm good. It's the end of the show, and so my feet are sore, but, you know. I mean, it's literally 45 minutes. Yes, yes. To we the are, end we're, of We your are con. in the, the final countdown, as it is. So we're standing <laughs> in your booth, and this is for Badali Jewelry. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah. Um, Badali Jewelry is my family business. Uh, I became the vice president about five years ago. I've been working for the company for about 12. Um, we're almost 20 years old at this point, but we design and manufacture jewelry that is based primarily on literary works like Will of Time and Lord of the Rings and Brandon Sanderson. I may have heard a or read of those. those read those books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then this new guy named like uh, you know Jim Butcher and Pat Rothfuss. Well, whatever. I mean, you know. um, but King Killer Chronicle. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, we design in house and manufacture in house these items from books. We bring books to life, yeah. and uh, we work hand in hand with the authors or the creators. That's gonna be one of my big questions. Yeah. So, like, say Pat Rothfuss, who is newer to the scene, say in the last decade, very involved in the design process. So does he send you what he was thinking um, of or do you send him a typically version? Typically, we approach him and say, these are our ideas. Uh -huh. And he says, yeah, okay, let's see what you can do for that. Or no, not right now. Let's not do that. And then we send him some of our, our design ideas. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it was really impressive. The Aeolian Talon Pipes 
that design was approved immediately. Right. Like straight Is out of the gate. Is that out now? Do you yeah. have that here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh that was goodness. one of the very first pieces I'll... that we did. Um, oh, so because cool. that's the number one thing people want are their oh, pipes. Yeah. Um, and then we, with Denna's ring, that went through something like six incarnations. Wow. Um, because Pat wasn't sure what he wanted it to look like. Right. So we gave him our ideas. And then it was a lot of back and forth. And actually, um, we ended up building a story into the ring that people won't know about until the third book comes out. Oh my God, I love that so, so much. That's so cool. Yeah. So, are you a designer yourself? I am. So, yeah. um, do you guys, does your team split the task of reading the books or what do you do? We, uh, it, that is the way it's starting to uh, develop now just yeah. because we are starting to pick up so many licenses. Um, but before we were really gaining traction and it was just kind of starting to snowball, what we would do is we would read books, share it in the, in the shop, we would all freak out over it and hope and pray that the authors would want to work with right. us. And so everything that we make we're fans of. Um, mm -hmm. We we make sure that before a contract is signed, anything like that, uh, we get our hands dirty and read the material and immerse ourselves into the worlds because we want to make it. Uh, we want to do justice to the fans. Absolutely, because we're fans ourselves. You're gonna make it with love and fandom, yes, and they're gonna buy it yes. with love and fandom. We want to. We want to build. Yeah. And and building store visual storytelling elements is mm -hmm. very important to us. Um, a lot of our process is created by hand. Um, a lot of our carving of our originals is done solely by hand. Wow. And everything is finished by people um, with the aid of, of, of some machines. But uh, <laughs> my jewelers have cut up, bruised up hands. I bet. <laughs> I bet. So here's a question, and, and I have my guess. Do you have items from certain books that will always be a top seller. Like I'm thinking oh, yeah. like the L one ring. I was gonna say LOTR. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna no, be that, that yeah. uh, the one ring I think will always be our top seller. Right. It I'm mean, it's just it's iconic. It's, do 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 people come here that that have heard of Badala Jewelry do you get people that come up and say, hey, do you have Wheel of Time stuff? Do you have? Uh, yeah. We, we typically what it is is one license will bring someone over and then they'll be like, oh my gosh, you've got Wheel of Time. Uh -huh. Oh my gosh, you've got Peter V. Brett. Oh, and it just, it snowballs. Also, we, we have people come to um, find out what they should be reading next. That's fantastic. It, because yeah. we've got, if they like one license we do, chances are we have very similar tastes in books. Yeah. And so we, we started making business, or not business cards, uh, bookmarks to hand to people and say, here's your reading list. These are the new authors that you, that's you need to take a look at. and, and That's uh, really good, like knowing your, yeah. your, your, your so base. We're, we're kind of building this community of literary yeah. fans, and I they share it. books that they're reading so that we can have um, new things to take a look at and uh -huh. read and listen to at the shop. So I think that is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, so here's the question for the podcast that I'm asking. Everybody, I want to know what is your nerd origin story? What are you geeky about? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I was born into my nerddom. Right. Um, both my parents. Yes, it's I was born a proper geek. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so growing up, uh, my almost my entire family's dyslexic. Uh -huh. And so growing up, reading was very, very difficult. Uh, but my dad instilled a love of science fiction and fantasy books in us. It was the only thing that kept us coming back to this this process that was just maddening and mm -hmm. frustrating. And thanks to sci-fi and fantasy, 
we're all avid readers now That's and great. It, it's great. So sci-fi fantasy is where we started. Um, I grew up watching Doctor Who and watching every every kind of um, fantasy and, and pop culture movie that was a, a acceptable for my age, <laughs> for your group, age yeah. except for the fact that my dad thought showing all of the Highlanders to an eight-year-old was fine, which, you know, that's fine. There can be only one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I ended up getting into comic books in junior high because I was the awkward kid that really mm -hmm. didn't make friends well, and I discovered this mm -hmm. amazing world that I could lose myself in, and these kick-ass women, can I swear? Yes. Okay, kick-ass women that were role models to mm -hmm. me I don't and and so that kind of shaped my life and um, I started getting into art and uh, I'm a liberal arts major uh -huh. that's just kind of fallen into running a business so so the family already had the business oh yeah and when you were younger did you think that you would be in the business uh, you said, no yeah. I, all growing up my dad was a jeweler and he's had different uh, business entities forever. Um, he was a science teacher when I was much younger, and then he became a gold miner. He had a gold wow. miner shop. He was making jewelry. Uh -huh. So um, outdoor science, uh, that was all a huge part of yeah, growing up. So when up. you say you were born into it, you were I was really, really born, really that's born basically into it. Your origin story yeah, was in the womb. <laughs> I was born. And this Janelle was born. Um, but yeah, we... we uh, our entire lives were full of sci-fi fantasy, yeah. science, art. I mean, my parents did a good job. I think so, too. <laughs> and this is beautiful. This this booth is absolutely oh, beautiful. Thank um, you. Tell us the next couple places that you're going to be, so in case any of my sure. listeners are in those areas. Yeah, Gen Con is our next convention. Um, that's a fun one. We're going to be rolling out some new stuff. Uh, we'll be rolling out some new things for Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archives. Uh, and I can't wait for the new book. <laughs> I know. I cannot wait for the new book. is going to be so good. I cannot wait. Um, and then uh, we're going to have some new things for uh, Kevin Hearn's Iron Druid series, uh -huh. a few things for King Killer Chronicles. There's new Lord of the Rings pieces coming out. Exciting. Um, I think I can say this now. Uh, we are working with Girl Genius. Okay. And so we're going to have a full-scale Agatha Locket available soon, before oh, Christmas. That's it will great. It will be up for Christmas. Um, it's, it is, oh, this thing is immaculate. It's so beautiful. Are you guys, you said before Christmas, so are you guys online as well? We so, are, okay. yes. Um, primarily, we are an online business. Okay. We ship internationally. Um, we ship all over the U.S., uh, it's the conventions are our primary mode of advertising, right? Um, and you get those customers, and then they're yeah. going to come back to you online. Yeah, and, and, and it's been we've we've had a very slow growth, um, and we've been doing it in a very family and friends sort of way. So we've got a lot of people that have been with us since the beginning, and we see them every year at That's every fantastic. con. And so I, I've watched kids that were babies; they're now twelve. I love it. It's insane. That is fantastic. <laughs> What's your website? Uh, it's BedaliJewelry.com. Uh -huh. And we're Bedali Jewelry at, uh, on all the social medias. Um, and if you're interested, Bedali is spelled B-A-D-A-L-I. <laughs> I'm just saying Christmas. Yes. It's going to be here before you know yes. it. So. No, if you've got a, if you've got a, a fan of, of literature in your life, we're, we're a good place to go because it's not overtly geeky. Right. It's jewelry that holds up and stands up to day-to-day -day wear. Which which I love. And I love that um, 
some of them are so, they're, they're very beautiful, but some of them, like, a, a true fan could walk by you. Like, you could go through a whole day, not at the Comic-Con, yeah. you know, in your, in your regular life and wear this piece of jewelry, and then maybe someone at the grocery store would be like, yeah. What? Are you wearing a shaman dragon cufflinks right now? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. And thank you for noticing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's a kick to be able to work with these different entities and have them trust us. Uh-huh. Um, it is an honor. I mean, working with Will of Time, we were fortunate enough to work with Robert Jordan before he passed away. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, we were able to get his seal of approval on our pieces. That is nice. So it's, That's it's, really special, it actually. Is. It is. Yeah. It, uh, Matt's signet ring was the last thing that he was able to directly assist us with. Uh-huh. And now we work with Harriet and, uh-huh. and Robert's cousin. Right, so, right. Yeah. Well, congratulations, <laughs> well, and congratulations you. on all this wonderfulness. Oh, and thank you so uh, much. it was great meeting you this it year. It was so great to meet you, too. All right, thanks for chatting with thanks. me. Thanks. Supplicants, you may now rise. The merciful Odd has chosen to spare you. Please exit the internet to your left. <laughs>